The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the cold case of Alice Alice Corbett. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. You can check out Pondex today at pondex.com. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. So let's get into it, shall we? In the early morning hours of Friday, November 13th, November 1925, in Northampton, Massachusetts, a young woman named Jean Robeson was discovered dead in her dormitory at Smith College, ruled death by asphyxiation through illuminating gas. However, shortly after Jean's untimely death, another tragedy would befall the Institute. At around 8 a.m. the same morning, Alice Corbett exited her room in the Clark House dormitory, she may have also had $75 in cash on her person. It marked the last time she was seen alive by anyone. After failing to return later, Alice's other friends entered her room to look for clues. 
they discovered an unsealed note addressed to Alice's mother and written in her handwriting. One line from the letter read as such, Mother, I am going home. After promptly bringing it to the attention of college officials and upon examining the letter, the officials concluded that Alice must have been in a confused state of mind and she was subsequently reported missing. Miss Alice Corbett was born and raised in Utica, New York to parents James and Emma Corbett. She had one younger brother, Edward, who died at the age of seven in 1916. Although her age was not listed in the papers, the 1920 U.S. federal census didn't list her at age 14, making her about 19 years old at the time of her disappearance. Alice was stated to have been a good student in her junior year. She had a clear college. Alice was stated to have been a good student in her junior year. She had a clear college record and reportedly enjoyed going on hikes in the Mount Tom area. Before her disappearance, Alice was dating a male college student from nearby Amherst College named Thomas Sterling. She stood at 5'7", was last known to weigh 112 pounds, gray eyes, a slender build, and medium complexion. Her hair was also very dark brown, with a shingled bob style. And the outfit she was wearing, last seen wearing, a brownish henna colored jersey, one-piece dress with a small narrow collar, black Windsor tie, and an open neck. A small tight-fitting brown velour hat that had a velour piece resembling a feather on the lower right-hand side. low heel tan leather slippers in a pump style, a small plain white gold wristwatch with a ribbon, and a yellow rain slicker. On the day that Alice went missing, the staff and students of Smith College searched for any signs of her without success. The following day, on March 14th, the Massachusetts State Police and the local Boy Scouts conducted ground searches within the Mount Tom area. They're holy Holyoke, <clears throat> excuse me, albeit without success either. Meanwhile, James posted a $500 reward for information leading to his daughter's discovery. Local radio stations also publicized her description in Springfield, Massachusetts, and in New York. Early into the investigation, when police questioned him, Thomas stated that a week before she vanished, Alice had asked him to buy her poison, a request he refused. Police subsequently looked over several letters exchanged between the pair. Although these letters indicated that the two had recently fought, Thomas was ultimately cleared of any involvement by December. Several weeks after Alice disappeared, multiple witnesses came forward claiming to have seen Alice around. However, none of these alleged sightings was confirmed to be here. On November 13th, a woman resembling Alice approached a druggist to ask him about the local trolley schedule on the morning of her disappearance. However, the trolley crew for the day later recalled seeing no one matching Alice's description at all. At around the same time, there was another alleged sighting elsewhere, a girl wearing a yellow rain slicker was reportedly seen walking down an abatement toward the Connecticut River in Hadley, Massachusetts. Although this sighting was not reported until early December, it was linked with an earlier one in which a yellow rain slicker was seen floating in the same area of the river. A week after authorities searched the Mount Tom area, one witness came forward to say they'd seen Alice in the area, which prompted another search. Similar to before, the police found nothing. On November 20th, a few telephone linemen working on a Whiting Peak near Mount Tom reported being held at gunpoint by a woman resembling Alice. The man said the mystery woman demanded food and ate ravenously before running off into the nearby woods, never to be identified. Throughout the area of Massachusetts and East Hampton and Westfield, several additional witnesses came forward 
with their alleged sightings. Same as before, however, none of these claims led investigators closer to finding her. A month after Alice disappeared, state police detective Joseph Daly stated his belief that Alice had wandered away and had likely died by that point. With the widespread publicity the case received throughout the investigation, many false leads and hoaxes came with it. In December 1925, authorities on the case received many crank letters. In March 1926, a resident of Troy, New York, attempted twice to collect an award by falsely claiming that a woman working as a housemaid at his boarding house was the missing student. A month later in April, a middle-aged woman claiming to be Alice turned herself in to police in Cheshire, Massachusetts. In May, a message in a bottle was fished down to the Connecticut River near Northampton. According to this note, Alice was being held captive in caves near Smith's Ferry in Holyoke. Although authorities deemed the message a hoax, they nonetheless searched the area indicated only to find nothing. Throughout the spring and summer of 1926, many locations in western Massachusetts were explored for clues to Alice's whereabouts, including urban woodlands and waterways. In January 1927, James enlisted a boatman to comb the Connecticut River for clues. Several months later in July, the canals at various mills in and around Northampton were scoured for signs of Alice's body or clothing while being drained for annual maintenance. In October, James publicized a $1,000 reward for information at the opening of the hunting season to renew efforts to find his daughter around wilderness spots. By this point, interest in Alice's case had died down until another disappearance sparked renewed attention. On Friday, 13th, Friday 13th of January, 1928, Frances Smith, who came from a wealthy family, vanished from her residence on campus at Smith College. So, similar to Alice three years and two months earlier, unlike Alice, however, Frances' body was eventually recovered in March 1929 from the Connecticut River near Longmeadow, though no official cause of death was reported. In 1933, a New York City man confessed to killing Alice while living in Hadley the year she went missing. However, he later recanted his confession, and following an investigation, police dismissed his confessions as false. Three years later, in 1936, human bones were discovered in a shallow grave at Northampton. Although they were suspected of being Alice's, they were ultimately identified as those of a Native American individual. To date, what became of Alice and where she went remains unsolved. Let us know your thoughts on this case. What do you think happened to Alice Corbett? Did she just wander off? Was she kidnapped? Was she murdered? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. And as always, hit that like and subscribe button. And hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And as always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps the channel grow, hire new hosts, hire new writers, and hopefully take this show on the road one day. And until then, or until next time, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, 
buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.